He's the man. <laughs> it's awesome, funny, random, doesn't make any the sense. The wait is over. It's over. Ladies and gentlemen, from the studios in the wrestling capital of the South, it's another terrific episode of The Binge Buster Show. Please welcome your host, Tony Binge. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Binge Buster Show. I have, I'm really excited about this week's episode. Uh, uh, my uh, co host, Mr. Chris Plano, is on vacation. He's at the beach soaking up some sun. And so I went out and found an old friend of mine uh, that I have known for a lot of years. And I, I've been trying to get him on the show for quite some time now and uh, was not able to, between his schedule and mine, just haven't been able to get that worked out. But this week, it has worked out the stars and moons aligned. And I am talking about none other than Mr. Baron Bullard. Baron, what is going on? Uh, nothing much, Tony. I'm glad the stars finally aligned and the moons come out and no werewolves ran me off and I'm able to make it tonight. Man, me too. And uh, You know, I was just thinking about this when I messaged you on Facebook the other day trying to get this uh, laid out. But, uh, you know, dude, I think the last time that you and I have been uh, together was on my birthday last year uh, when uh, George had that little show down there in a little town called Denton, North Carolina, and you were there, and and, the, and that show was the first time my son came to a, came to a show. So he was excited because he was over buying George South's toy gimmicks, but he was mo- most excited about holding your uh, championship belt. Hey, whatever it takes, I mean – I got to say a champion to keep the crowd and the kids happy. So we got let auto promoters know, give me a championship match. If I'm not already your champion and we'll make plenty of kids happy. That's right, man. And, and, and that was actually a really fun show. It was, um, and that was the first time I ever got booked on a show the day before the show, (laughs) but, but I did George gave George gave me a call and said, Hey, Tony, he said, um, uh, got a little show going on and, and it's not too far from where you used to live. And, and, uh, the good thing is you work in boogie. And I said, okay, I'm there. So, um, so it came down and worked and, uh, then, and you and I got to hang out together and share a gimmick table together. And, um, but speaking of sharing, you and I have had this friendship for a long time. I believe the first time you and I met was probably 2007, uh, there in a little town, Lexington, North Carolina. And, uh, you know, in this wrestling business you you meet a lot of people um most of them you you meet at a show and you you, hello how you doing and that's it but man from the time you and i first met we just we just clicked and become instant friends yeah and i mean that's when you got two genuine people tony that you know as you just said we just there to have fun enjoy life and we bonded over wrestling and we loved good wrestling, you know, not yeah. not some of the wrestling that's going on now. And I mean, that's the thing about friends. You can't explain how people become friends, but you just, it just happens. And then there's some people you just don't get along with. And you're one of them, Tony. I don't think nobody doesn't get along with you. Everybody's probably friends with you. This is your point, Tony. Yeah, I, I don't know about that, Baron. I've I've got a lot of heat with a few guys in the locker room. Uh, most of the time, they uh, tell me, "Hey, don't do the pile driver night because I'm going to do it because they know I do it better." 
<laughs> no, I'm just joking. But no, seriously, uh, I appreciate that. That was, that was a great compliment, Baron. And and I'm sure I can say the same thing for you. Um, I've never heard anybody say anything bad about you. Uh, everybody always talks about how how you know how good you are to do business with, and and uh, you, you you do what's what's asked of you, and um, and and always add to the show. So uh, so things like that takes you and I, uh, guys like me and you, far in this wrestling business. Yeah, well, if you're needing a list, we can provide you a list of people that don't like me. Oh, we, we, I we, can we'll too. Stay away from the negative. <laughs> That's right. We'll stay positive on this because we, Lord knows, we got enough negativity in this world. Uh, but speaking of wrestling and first meeting, uh, I know you and I first met in 2007. But tell the listeners at home uh, exactly how you got into the wrestling business. Well, I actually got in the wrestling business when I was in a doctor. As crazy as it sounds, because uh, my mom worked in the school system, and she actually retired out of the school system. And my mom refused to let a television raise me. And, you know, when you hear television raising, you always think, okay, kids and their cartoons. So, like, unlike most kids today, when I got in trouble, my mom had me come inside the house instead of sending me out to do something. So I was always outside riding the bike, playing with my cousins, playing in the field with my toy dump truck. But before I could walk, and my mom used to tell the story all the time, my dad worked construction and he was out of town, and I'm assuming that's who she was on the phone, but she was on the phone one day and she was flipping through the channels, and I was being a noisy baby. Like I said, I was in my diapers at the time. And she come by wrestling, and I just mysteriously got quiet. She turned the channel, and I got noisy and whiny again. She turned back to wrestling, and I got quiet. And so I honestly can't tell you my first memory of wrestling. And it started from there, and, like, that was the beginning. I, I don't, I can't tell you the first match I've seen. And it's like, I've always watched wrestling. And I, I, like, I didn't know that story until she was telling a friend one time. Like, mm-hmm. I just knew I've always watched wrestling. I know, like I said, there was no defining moment in that. Just so that to be, and I know it's the truth because until I was born, I started watching wrestling. Like, my dad. And my granddad quit watching wrestling when Wahoo turned heel and joined Harley Race, and that was oh, yeah. several years before I, several years before I was born. So you know, I had to remind them, "Hey, I'm here now. We're gonna have to watch wrestling, Grandpa." Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it was just. We just got to turn the channel for a little while. You know, it's funny, Barry. So, it, it seems like everybody that watches that that is into wrestling now, they're into it because of their grandfather or their father. And it's the same thing with me. Um, my grandfather was a big wrestling fan. Um, I, I never knew this because he passed away when I was about three or four years old. But I've had older cousins, and even my dad told me years later that um, if you went to my grandfather's house and wrestling was on, he would tell you one time to stop talking. Next time he would throw an ashtray at you <laughs> or a cup and tell you get out of his house and don't come back until wrestling goes off because he he wanted to hear everything that was going on and um, he he hated Ric Flair with a passion uh, and um, but but that, that I mean that's 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 kind of how we get introduced to it I mean it seems like that's that's everybody's story 
Yeah, and like un- like I said, unfortunately, I was the opposite. Where you know, they, my dad, and my grandparents, and like, everybody tried to dissuade me from it. You mm-hmm. know, they, and then here I was dragging my cousins, having them play with me in my toy rises, and we taking water hoses and tobacco sticks and you know, building little rings, and then eventually some of my cousins started getting into it, and we got older, we'd all go watch wrestling, and then eventually they realized, okay, this ain't a phase. Uh-huh. <laughs> Why fight it? Just, just let him watch wrestling, you know. But, uh, you know, unfortunately my grandfather passed before he could ever see me wrestle, so that's one of, I wish I could say that's a regret, but if that's one of the things I couldn't control, but, um, you know, like my mom's mom, believe it or not, was a big wrestling fan. <laughs> so, but, you know, I, my story, like I said, it, my family was wrestling fans before I was born. And then, like I said, me being Native American, of course, uh, my family pulled for the Native American hero, Wahoo McDaniels. And when he turned and joined Harley Race, you know, he basically turned on Native American heritage to hear everybody around here speaking. You know, believe it or not, there's a lot of fans quit watching wrestling because of that. And you don't have, you know, emotion like that now. Well, now I've got days no. people, oh, I never, I never watch wrestling again. If you get on Facebook two or three nights later, whenever next time wrestling's on, they're complaining about it again. I thought you wasn't watching it again, but you just, yeah. I don't even have to watch it because you just gave me detail for detail. <laughs> What's what happening? Like yeah. 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 That's, that, that's one of the things for me. Uh, like I'm glad that during the eighties and nineties, we didn't have, um, Facebook and internet because that was always the, the thing that got me through, you know, I'm like you, I watched wrestling when I was little, but I remember, I can remember as a kid in elementary school, um, looking up at the clock every day going, okay, you know, get through this class today. I got th- three more days. It's going to be, then it'll be Saturday. And I get to find out if the rock and roll express won the belts back from the midnight express sometime this week at one of the re- other matches that they have during. So you always were wanting as a kid and as a fan, you were wanting to, to watch the show every week to find out, Hey, what happened? And, and I used to love that. How, when it would come on TV and they'd say, now fans, uh, breaking news. We just found out that over the, over during this week on Tuesday night, the rock and express won back the world tag team titles from the midnight express and in an untelevised, in an untelevised event. So you, you always wanted to tune in to, to see if somebody, if your hero, uh, or somebody like that had, had, had won their belt back or, or, you know, something like that. It, it gave you that. Now it's like, you know, everything that happens happens on TV and, and you get these Facebook critics every, every night, you know, dissecting the match and they're acting like they know everything about the business and they've never been in the ring. And, you know, they, uh, they, uh, couldn't even probably get in the ring, much less, um, book, book a, an event. But, um, but you know, they're, uh, as George South calls them, they're, um, they're, um, keyboard bookers and, um, you know, those, those guys have no idea you know, the 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 hours and stuff and time that that we put in uh, trying to put together something. Exactly, and I mean it's like you said, it was a good time that we didn't grow up because 
perfect example when Rick Rude returned to WCW as a phantom. You know, as a kid, <laughs> I was shocked that that was Rick Rude. Yeah. I was shocked when Jake the Snake debuted in WCW because, for goodness sakes, he was just wrestling Undertaker not too long before in WWF. Mm-hmm. But as an adult, you look at Rick Rude in the mask and you're like, oh, that's Rick Rude. Yeah. You know, it's very obvious as an adult. But at the same time, as an adult, I wouldn't have knew Jake the Snake's contract was up or had a contract dispute and left WWF. And his dad was a booker of WCW and just signed a big contract. But you can't do that today. They try to ruin everything. And then they say, oh, wrestling's too predictable. No, it's not too predictable. It's just nobody can keep their mouth shut. Yeah. It's. It's like there's too many guys, you know, as the old saying goes, protect the business that has so many means now. Like mm-hmm. you can't you can't surprise fans anymore because there's a guy, Oh honey, I'm making my debut tonight or hey, can you believe who just showed up to the arena? I mean Or they're on their Facebook going, Yeah, I'm I'm going down to Atlanta tonight. Well, exactly. Oh, they went to Atlanta, and, and, and you know, I know what's happening there. You know, no, no surprise. I mean, that's like I was fired from a wrestling company, and then I got to the show, and one of the guys tagged me, talking about it's good to see Baron, and he tagged the place too on Facebook, and I'm like, I need you to delete that right now or untag me, or put it up after the show or whatever. I mean, like, some guys are just, I don't know if it's, they're just trying to get likes or they're trying to be the first one to expose calls. A thing I used to do, if I wasn't supposed to be at the building, I may put up a post and say I'm somewhere else, tag a location. Mm-hmm. I mean, with technology today, you can use it for good and help add to the element of surprise. Or these people want to be the first ones to break the news and will ruin it. I mean, wrestling's more exciting when you don't know everything and some things are surprises. Yeah. You know, I agree. That's, that's like, I agree. you know, uh, they said uh, this group that they got on rest on WWE now, Retribution, how it, it supposedly got leaked before the show even aired. I was like, why? Well, I say you're having a debuting faction. And, like, I've put two and two together now. That's why they used to say, what happened to the hacker angle? Now, before a hacker ang- angle, you know, I, I'm not the most tech-savvy guy. I got direct TV. You know, now with rain or wind, the satellite signal go up, and all the TV acts wacky. So, in my mind, being in wrestling a long time, I'm thinking, okay, all these glitches in the past and the whole hacker angle, all this ties into the retribution angle and they're trying to clean up WWE and, you know, take it over, you know, fix things. Who knows? The hacker, the glitches before, and this retribution may not even be tied in together. I would tie it in together somehow and make it come full circle. Mm-hmm. But it would have been more shocking and more surprising if, Whoever didn't leak it online first, 
because think about how everybody talks about the Nexus when all that there happened and how cool and how revolutionary that was. You've had this stuff for years. I mean, you had the four horsemen breaking Dusty's arms. You had the NWO. You know, you had Eddie Gilbert and Jerry Lawler getting ran over. You know, we've had some pretty amazing moments in wrestling, but the only difference is you didn't have somebody with a cell phone a cell phone camera or somebody trying to get the clout of being the guy that broke the news. Right, exactly. And yeah. that's and that's like the biggest um problem now. And that's like I I gotta be careful because now like I said, tell me if you break the news. We got more people more concerned about what the critic or a person that writes reviews or somebody has a star system says about their match rather than a legend who knows what they're actually doing. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem because that critic can't tell you what you're doing. Right? They're just telling you that they're entertained. Yes, entertaining is important, but you got to do it right because, as we've talked before, you had to get properly trained to know Ultimate Warrior made more money than you'll ever make combined, Tony. Yeah. But the reality of it is Ultimate Warrior couldn't lace your boots and couldn't lace my boots. But there's millions of fans out there will tell you Ultimate Warrior was their favorite, Ultimate Warrior was great. We're not saying they're wrong, but what we're saying is a wrestler point of view and a critic's point of view is often going to be different. And who can we say is right and who can we say is wrong? Now, the wrestler who's been properly trained can dissect that other wrestler and say, well, they're not doing this right. They're not doing this right. But I compare it to tattoos. Mm-hmm. I can get a tattoo that you think looks great, I think looks great. And then all of a sudden, if I get to a new tattoo artist, did I well the lining work here is a little shaky. You see how it's all sent off pole. The shading's a little off. They can pinpoint a lot of problems and you're like, Oh, my tattoo's not that great anymore because this here guy just broke it down, everything's wrong with my tattoo. As wrestlers, we can break everything down that's wrong with certain individuals, but does that make us right? Because at the same time they still have their fans who think they're the greatest wrestle ever and they may make way more money so does who does that make right so therefore it's a it's a heck of a situation you know do the people that you know what's right and what's wrong does their opinion really matter anymore or is it the critics when you know they're the ones buying tickets right and they don't really it's like the clueless are the ones who determine the, the entertainment value. Right, exactly. Because let's be let's, let's be honest. If wrestling was back in the hands of the guys that was properly trained back in the days, and if they had faces, because you know back in the days a lot of the wrestlers were bookers, but at the same time they had bookers that wasn't wrestlers that were strictly office people. And before there was an Ultimate Warrior, I'm not knocking Luke Luger. I've met the man, been on several shows, great guy. 
but Lex will even admit some of his earlier days, he was very green, you know. Same thing with Road Warriors. During their earlier days, you know, if you would ask some of the wrestlers, they're like, nah, these guys, they look like a million dollars, but they're not ready. Mm-hmm. But that the guy booking the show, making the matches, they felt they were ready, and the fans was cheering these guys on. So, therefore, they were justified in booking Alex Luke and Ultimate Warrior and the Road Warriors because the fans justified them. So that's where we got this dichotomy of whose opinion weighs more nowadays. And unfortunately, we still have that today because I could name guys right now that don't, don't do a lockup right. They don't know how to do a top wrist lock. I know guys that can't even do an arm drag. And I know guys that never set up a ring, but they're on the USA Network, and I'm here sitting talking to you right now, <laughs> you know. Right, exactly. So so even though a Ricky Morton, a Bobby Eaton, a George South, or a Barbarian, a Manny Fernandez, or Jimmy Valiant may respect me and tell me how good I am, and they may not be a fan of someone on TV. Yes, these are legends and Hall of Famers that, you know, I have their respect, but guy on TV who couldn't wrestle his way out of a wet paper bag, you know, is frowned upon, but he's making the money and critics is giving him stars. So we're in a weird time right now where back in the day where it was hard to get in the wrestling, now it's easier, but the thing is, it's weird on who's getting opportunities and who's not. Yeah, I agree. You know, sometimes I'm, you know, that, that's that been like one of my biggest um, biggest things, not really as far as making it somewhere, but like I remember <clears throat> I would, I'd go on Facebook and I'd see certain guys getting booked on shows, and I know for a fact, that I could outwork those guys with my eyes closed. And I'm thinking to myself, well, how are these guys getting booked on these shows? You know, and I and I know that if me and Baron went there and me and Baron were in the main event, it, it, you know, everybody else would just be, you know, scratching their, you know, scratching their head. Um, but I guess it goes back to the the guys that, you know, the, the promoters, or if you want to call them that, the guys running shows nowadays are bigger marks than the people buying tickets. And so the guys that are getting booked are the guys that they, that they're marked out over not they're, they're not booking talent. They're booking guys. They like. Exactly. And here's a thing. And I, I've told some of my students in the past, I tell other guys, it does not take talent. Well, let me change that. Me and you can chant this is awesome all day. Okay. What does that mean? What does that mean to me? If me and you're wrestling, Tony, and fans chant this is awesome, what does that mean? It means the guys in the ring are, are doing their job. Okay. What does that mean to the booker or the rider? What does that mean? It means that, that the, the match he put together – or the, the you know the two guys he put together are are you know 
leading the show. They're 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 the, they're the stars of the show at that point. All right. Well, there's supposed to be heels and faces, good guys and bad guys. Mm-hmm. By chanting, this is awesome. Who's the bad guy? It's, it's at that point, it's hard to tell because the fans are liking both it, both both guys. If they're if they're chanting, okay. this is awesome. All right, exactly. They're chanting, this is awesome. Now, when we come back two and three shows down the road and work each other again, and you don't hear this is awesome, what does that mean? Same two guys. That, that means they went in there with too much confidence, and now they're they're trying to outdo what they did the first time, and they're they're not they're not they're not doing it at that point. And at the same time, they're lacking storytelling. Exactly. They're they're, they're not telling us. St- sometimes you can go anything's awesome at a hundred miles an hour. Mm-hmm. But if you drive a car for too long for a hundred miles an hour, you lose the thrill and you burn up the motor. Right. Therefore, that car is not as serviceable anymore. But if you slowly build up the car, there can be times you can drive at a hundred miles an hour. And you'll get longer range and longer distance out of that car. Same thing with wrestlers. By chanting, this is awesome. It does not tell me who the good guy and bad guy is. But if me and you are wrestling each other, Tony, and somebody says, oh, Baron sucks, that means automatically the fans love Tony and they hate Baron. So, therefore, we got something to work with here. Mm-hmm. That's right. So, we know how to work around this here situation to make fans hate Baron more and love Tony more. But if we get this is awesome, we're like, okay, who is who here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we know it's a great match, but here's the thing, and I've learned over time, great matches is great, but it's the moments that people remember. Right. It doesn't matter what wrestling show you turn on. Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels Iron Man match, one of my favorite matches ever. But what what's one of the highlights they show? They show Shawn Michaels coming down the zip line. They show him on his knees holding the belt crying. Mm-hmm. Hogan and Andre. You ask any wrestling fan at WrestleMania 3, 99% of them will tell you Macho Man versus Steamboat was the best match. But they always show Hogan slamming Andre. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's the moments people remember. They'll love a match, but how many moments can you name at the top of your off the top of your head from Macho Man versus uh, Ricky Steamboat. So, if you wasn't a wrestler, because I know, I know as wrestlers we can because we've studied it, mm-hmm. but if you weren't a wrestler and your objective wasn't to study that match, purely from a fan's perspective, how much can you name? You might can remember George Animal still climbing up to the top pushing off Macho Man, but how much more can you remember? Exactly. Now you can, you might can remember stuff leading up to the match, like Macho Man grabbing the bell and doing the elbow drop, and Steamboat learning to speak again. You might remember that. It's, and that's what people tend to forget. They're so concerned of what moves we can do and how much stuff we can cram into the match. They forget it's the moment, it's the emotions that makes money. Mm-hmm. That's right. And that the wrestling's a business, and the whole thing is. We're supposed to be generating money. Yes, my favorites is Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, 
Arn Anderson, Tully, Ben Law, Eddie Guerrero, William Regal. You know, the guys that us wrestlers would call the workhorses. But at the end of the day, Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, The Rock, Stone Cold, John Cena, blows all of them out of the park when it comes to money. And none of them's ever been called the greatest nope. wrestler or, or, or worker, so to speak. And like, I, like Roman Reigns, who's who people consider the new John Cena, who has fans toward. I, I I've used this with my students as an example. Here's, I've not met no real wrestling fan. When I say real wrestling fan, I, I don't mean a wrestler or anybody on the internet. Cause a lot of them on the internet not even real wrestling fans. They're critics. I've talked to little kids and people that come to shows, and I see them wearing Roman Reigns shirts. And a lot of Roman Reigns is a lot of them's favorite wrestler currently. But yet you talk to a wrestler or some of the body on the internet, Roman Reigns is overrated. Oh, really now? Now, if we look back at the Shield, when they'd make the hot tag and Roman Reigns come in like a house of fire, the place went crazy. At the same time, same thing happened with Batista. When Batista was in evolution, they started booing Randy Orton and wanting Batista to be the man. And that's the way these critics are. They build you up so they can tear you down while the real fans is going to still support you. That's the reason Hogan was on top for so long. Because his merchandise moved. He, he, he connected. Fans wanted to hear that. Say your prayers. Take your vitamins. You know. They want to hear hustle, loyalty, respect. I won't give up. Because life's already hard. You know. And as adults, we overcomplicate things. And I like, I can't remember the Batman movie where Heath Ledger played the Joker. I can't remember the name of the movie, but I know. When Heath Ledger played the Joker, mm-hmm. I laughed at so many wrestlers ripping off the Joker, thinking this is my key to the top. I was like, so y'all Heath Ledger. Yeah. I was like, so this will make you the best heel in the business. Yeah. I was like, you know, Heath Ledger was a baby face. Huh? See, a heel don't have a redeeming quality, Tony. And I was like, the moment you find yourself agreeing with the Joker and understanding him, all of a sudden, he was no longer a heel. That's right. Because when the Freebirds slammed the cage on the Von Erich and turned on him, why? You're like, man, that's a jerk thing to do. You know, when they broke Dusty's leg after Dusty came to save Flair from the uh, Russians and on and only broke his leg in the cage, you're like, why'd you do that? Dusty come to help. There was no redeeming quality. But as adults, they're trying to say, well, this is a great. No, it's not. I mean, you find yourself agreeing with some of what the Joker said because it made sense. A heel's not going to have no redeemable quality. I tell people all the time, quit trying to study what y'all think's cool or what you think's a great heel or drawing inspiration from some movie. I said, go watch a Disney movie. Mm-hmm. That's right. I said, when a three-year-old can watch a Disney movie, and at three years old you can discern that's a bad person or that's a bad guy, boom, there's your heel right there. 
Mm-hmm. That's the perfect heel because there's too many heels concerned about being cool. Everybody wants to be the cool person, Tony. Therefore, yep. you're no longer a heel. You're the biggest baby face ever if you want to be cool. Mm-hmm. The Fonz, Fonzarelli off of Happy Days. He was cool. Nobody wanted to be nobody else but the Fonz. So, therefore, he's the biggest baby face on the show. He might have played with the girl's emotions, and people are like, oh, he's a jerk. But he had to play the cool role, which is what everybody wants to be. So, therefore, he was a baby face. Traditionally, you know, some of what Stone Cold was done back in the day might have been considered hillish, but everybody at some point got fed up with their boss and want to say, screw you, and tell their boss where they should go. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, that made Stone Cold a baby face. But no matter what, from the history from the beginning of Jobs to now nobody likes a butt kisser so the moment Stone Cold started kissing Vince's butt and Kurt Angle they both want to be Vince's best friends boom they right. heels and hate heels and right back to where and, and got a whole new a whole new yeah. angle yeah because there's no redeemable quality but it was the same people mm-hmm. there's and that's what guys got to learn now. They got to learn how to make these moments. I mean, Dean Malenko, one of the greatest wrestlers ever, can do any move possible. Dean Malenko, funny person if you ever meet him in person. You know, great personality. But he was known for having great matches, but how many great moments were they allowed to have or show that personality? You know, listen. If we took a microphone away from The Rock, do you think The Rock would be where it was today? Nowhere near. And I'm not, that's not my way of saying, hey, all indie wrestlers start grabbing a microphone and doing a promo. No. There's little things you can do. You can add mannerisms in that. Scotty Too Hotty, for instance. He didn't do a whole lot of promos. He done the worm. Add some personality to your character. You know, not everybody can go out there and be Chris Benoit. Not everybody can be Shawn Michaels or Bret Hart. Somebody can be Scotty Too Hot. You know, and not not everybody's going to be the top guy in the company. you got to have different levels of guys. I mean, so it's wrestling's moment. And making moments. And that's what guys have to learn. I mean, I'd love to be able to wrestle all matches of Benoit versus William Regal. But as you said before, Tony, sometimes you got to go out there and wrestle matches at Jimmy Valley or Junkyard Dog in the match. That's right. I mean, not every match is going to be a technical wrestling clinic. Some of them's got to be entertainment, you know. And the quicker you learn how to be well-rounded, the better wrestler you'll be. Yeah, you got to learn to adapt, and that's and I think that's one of the biggest falls that a lot of new new guys have. Um, they don't learn to adapt. They just you know they they think okay, this is how it's supposed to be on TV, and this is how you know this is how it's doing on TV. So I got to go in and and emulate that. But they have no thought process. They they uh, they want to get in the ring and get their stuff in. But does that does that stuff really matter? Are the are the people there in that arena where you're at right now? Are they really buying what you're selling? 
chances are most time they're exactly. not. Exactly. And I mean, like we said before, prime example, look at Ultimate Warrior. His name's going to be remembered from now until whenever. But, you know, you got to look at some of the other guys that was there at the same time. You know, unfortunately, some of the guys, if something tragic doesn't happen, a lot of guys are going to be forgot in time. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the reality of it. I mean, I love Brad Armstrong to death, but how many people are going to remember Brad Armstrong 50 years? Right. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, and I hate to say it, that sounds very cold-hearted and ruthless, but let's be, how many people remember Eddie Gilbert right now? Exactly. How many people, you know, remember Tim Horner? How many people remember Buddy Landale? I mean, there's a lot of guys. How many people remember Barry Windham now? If like, if you're not a wrestler, I mean, I love Barry Windham. Like I said, I'm not disrespecting none of these guys, but in time, a lot of guys get forgotten. And I mean, it's sad, you know. Yeah, Look at, it definitely is. I mean, like people joke about Coco Beware being in the whole thing for instance. You look at some of Coco Beware's old stuff. Coco Beware could wrestle, but how many people remember Coco Beware right now? Don't get me wrong. His later years, he was able to stand out because he infused more personality than his sweet sugar brown days. And it's just, like I said, we're at that time where, where that impasse, what matters more? whether you're doing things right or the critics. And now the critics now want to be entertained because Dustin Rhodes is going to be remembered more for gold dust than he was the natural Dustin Rhodes. Mm-hmm. And that's a shame. You know, how many people remembers Mr. Wonderful Paul Wondolf? Yeah, he was in the first WrestleMania. Yes, he was Amazing wrestler, but like a lot of these great guys are getting forgot by current times because we're living in such a fast paced world, they're more concerned with antics. But at the same time, this world we're talking about, you got to have something more than this is awesome. You got to be remembered. Like one of my favorite Jeff Hardy moments or matches is his match with The Undertaker, where he won Undertaker's respect, where he wouldn't stay down. Now, Jeff Hardy's had thousands of matches, you know, high risk, doing every move under the sun. I mean, you've seen, it's hard to tell what clips from what on ladder matches him jumping, diving off. But in my mind, I'm like, man, Jeff Hardy's a tough somebody. Undertaker beat the crap out of him, come back down to the ring, beat him up again, and then he still wouldn't stay down. And that was a ladder match, too. And, you know, Undertaker wasn't doing a lot of flying off no ladder and a whole lot of stunts. And it's, we're living in time if people learn how to do things right and they also know how to create moments, it's something magical. But now we're living, 
in a sad time where people think wrestling's going really good and it's truly not. Yeah, unfortunately. It's, it, 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 it really isn't because a uh, prime example of it is like how the NXT and uh, AEW's talking, like we're talking about the ratings. And right now, neither one of them is getting a million fans. But back when TNA was on Spike TV and people were talking about how it was a dime, they were drawing over a million fans. But nobody's talking about AEW or NXT's a dime, and they, they can't even get a million fans to watch it right now. And that's not good when back in the day, a million fans, oh, this place is going downhill. They're losing ratings, but now you ain't even getting a million, and you're doing real good. Mm-hmm. Something's not up. Something's not right. And you can't sit here and say, "Well, it's the pandemic, or there's so many other options." There's been football on TV since before I was born. There's been movie theaters since before I was born. There's been sports at different places and. Event, outdoor events and other things you could do before I was born. You know, wrestling's a cycle. That's what nobody ever wants. Instead of saying the truth and say we're in a down slump, but we're trying to stay positive because right now we're more inclusive and we're more accepting and there's more opportunities for people that wouldn't have had opportunities years ago. We're in a good time. But reality, business-wise, ratings-wise, and viewership-wise, we're not in a good time. No. People are talking about the independent. No, we're not in a good time. Like, my shows, we've done what most people consider a good crowd. But it's not a good crowd when you look back in the early 90s and independence shows are drawing 1,000 people or 2,000 people. You know, nowadays we say two, three hundred, four hundred people's a good crowd. But years ago a thousand people at an independent show was a good crowd so how are we really doing so well exactly and at the same time i mean you hear about arenas being talked off and it's and they're using a line older attitude there of pg hulk hogan and andre and Ultimate Warrior and Heart Foundation and the British Bulldogs and Macho Man, they wasn't flipping people, cussing people out during that time. The Attitude Era and that era with the British Bulldogs and Andre, all that worked because they was able to create diverse characters. Not everybody was a fan of The Rock and Stone Cold. The Godfather had his fans too. APA had his, their fans. Val Venus had their fans. If you have something that everybody's involved in, you know, have a program, have, everybody doesn't have to be competing for the world championship, but if you make the most out of everything you got, you're going to build a bigger fan base. That's right. And we just, I hate to say it, the wrestling's not, where it should be, and it's not as good as people saying it is, quality-wise or business-wise right now. Yeah, you may be doing good business if you're on national TV from a sponsorship and endorsement-wise, but if wrestling is in such a good business, 
how come some of these bigger independent companies are shutting down now? And they definitely got more money than I got or you got to run shows, Tony. That's, that's right. So that's exactly come, right. How come, they're sh- how come they're shutting down? I mean, because, okay, I get that they ain't ran during the pandemic. Nobody's running, on, let's say, on national TV. So how come they're not taking a hiatus? But no, they're having to shut down because wrestling is not as good as people is portraying it to be in the media. It's not. Because if the coronavirus pandemic ended tomorrow and they said nobody in the world has corona, you're going to have to, we're going to all going to have to slowly rebuild because there's going to be people out there that, okay, I go, we got to have some distance. We still got to do six feet apart. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, I won't go to this one, but I'll go to the next one. Let's make sure everything's cleared out. And then in, at the same time, people's like, well, can't you just Facebook Live it? Or, and I watch it from Facebook Live. And that's, again, like, that's another thing I really don't like about, I get we're living in that social media age, but Facebook Live, it just costs you tickets. And wrestling's a business. It's, I like wrestling more <laughs> when I was a kid and we didn't have a technology and didn't have the spoilers and all we had was the element of surprise mm-hmm. and enjoyment. It was fun then. But the older I, yeah, the older I get, I le- learn the business aspects and I learn and realize and like some of what we said, a lot of fans wouldn't know how bad some of these wrestlers it was if we didn't see it because they're just a fan of the wrestler. That's the reason. There's a lot of guys we all know we don't think they can wrestle, but I'm not arguing with no fans because if you're a fan of them, congratulations. They're the best thing in your eyes. They might not be in mine because I know what I'm doing, but in your eyes, they're greater than me. So how can I tell you you're wrong? That's your opinion. Right, exactly. So we're just living in a time where, unfortunately, as the old saying goes, you can't put a toothpaste back in the tube at this point. But we just got to learn how to work with what we got nowadays. Uh, yeah. it, it, it's hard. That's definitely true. Because, I mean, like, the whole, I mean, like you say, the whole business has changed um, because of, not number one, the coronavirus. But even uh, go back, you know, 10 years ago, when when you and I were were working, seemed like every month there in Lexington, um, even then the wrestling business was so much different. Exactly because I mean, I remember wrestling every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and most Sundays. And at some point, and I'm not blaming this on George Bush, but you can say economy, you can say a lot of other stuff. But at some point, things hit a screech and hold. I remember, like I said, I was left every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and most Sundays. I was like, hold up, what's happened here? You know, I get when the gas shot up to $4 a gallon, things started slowing down. But gas is priced a whole lot more reasonable than what it was when the $4 a gallon. But things ain't still ain't picked back up the way it was. 
And that's like, I'm not trying to get in a political debate. Like when Obama said he's bringing the troops home and us wrestlers knew that wasn't the truth because all the armories started shutting down because they were sending the soldiers overseas. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hold up. I thought, thought you were bringing the people home, but all the soldiers and armories is going overseas. And then all of a sudden we lost a bunch of armory shows. And again, this boils down to guys not knowing what they're doing, not training. Before that, guys was in rec centers and school gyms, and they was tearing stuff up, costing buildings, and you know, and you're like, no, you don't do stupid stuff. But people continue to book them individuals when they should have learned how to work properly and be professional. And that's the reason I get on my guys' case all the time. I said, I replace you before I lose a building. That's right. You know, it's just that plain and simple because. Yeah, people can have a show without a building, but you can't have a show without a venue because if you go outside and if they say, oh, we'll let you wrestle on the football field and you tear up the turf on the football field, okay, you ain't got a building, now, now you ain't got an outside. Mm-hmm. Where are you going to set up at your house on the street? You know, and a lot of guys are running during the corona and I'm going to expose some other stuff. To have a protest, to have any kind of outdoor gathering of large crowds, you have to have a permit. So a lot of these people that have been running outside who haven't been getting permits, it's because they're not being snitched on. And I'm not a snitch. I'm not calling no names. But the reality of it is, if you get in trouble and you get caught, then they make an example of you. So therefore, you need to do everything legitimately. Why? Because I've been asked so many times, Brian, how come such and such is running and you are not? And I'm like, if you knew how much paperwork I had to do before a show, and now I'm not even allowed to pick up the paperwork and do the paperwork till after this pandemic is done. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not allowed to do the paperwork, that means I'm not allowed to do a show. I was like, I can't do what they're doing because I'm not paying a fine. I'm not getting in trouble and I'm not changing my name and I'm not putting ownership or putting somebody else's name on any paperwork. I'm trying to do this all the right way. All legitimate. That's right. Because when it all comes down to it, Tony, wrestling was steeped in respect, trust, professionalism. And the wrestlers before us and before the ones that trained us, they started slowly letting other stuff come in because money started getting passed. Yes, money's important, but when you go taking the money and say, well, I'm about out the door anyway, you know, you're not looking out for the future or the integrity of the business. That's true. Yeah, that's and true. And that's like, that's like when wrestling schools, I've had people ask me, I was like, have you ever thought that maybe, you know, they want to be around so I was like, no, you could referee, you could manage, or there's nothing wrong with just buying a ticket or helping hang out posters or helping set up a ring. Because the reality of it is wrestling ain't for everybody, Tony. You know it. And right. I know it. Mm-hmm. And there, there's too many guys that's willing to, oh, we get you in the ring or we teach you, and they take your money. And then all of a sudden, they're going to say, oh, such and such trained me. And then they get on another show 
at some point they get hurt or something happens and then you're kind of liable. You've you got your name associated with it, and then that tarnishes your name and your credibility. And, yeah, and, you're, and, and, you're, and you're done at that point. Exactly. And it's anything that money's involved, it eventually gets ruined and turns to something bad. And that's, that's what, that's what wrestling, I mean, wrestling got to the point it became so lucrative that it became so oversaturated that now it's not as lucrative as it used to be. And it's, it's going downhill in reality. I mean, I mean, to a lot of fans, they may be entertained because they're looking at the moves, but, you know, it's, a lot of it just don't make sense anymore. You know, I just, when I watch something, I don't know who's who, and I'm like, why are they getting a title shot, and why are they beating the champions? And, or if they beat the champions, how come they're not getting a title shot? If they haven't won any other matches. So where do we get off with these guys who have not won any matches, but all of a sudden now they're taking the champions, you know, to the limit. It's just a lot of stuff on wrestling just don't make sense anymore. I just, they don't know how to build stuff anymore. It's just, boom, it happens. Okay, well, where did this come from? And, if you have too many boom, it happens moments, you want to leave fans lost, scratching their head, and then life's going to continue to happen. They're just going to keep getting more lost and more confused. And then they're going to lose interest. That's right. And, I that, mean, and I think that's what's happened to a lot of fans nowadays is why wrestling's not – well, the coronavirus has a big – it has a, a big issue too. But, but even before the coronavirus, um, I went to a major – I won't say the initials, but pay-per-view here in Charlotte and Baron, I was on the front, the the first row of the elevated seats. And guess what? I had the whole aisle to myself. (laughs) The whole aisle. So me and my son sat there. No. And me and my son sat there. And then on top of that, during that pay-per-view, there are two biggest stars done a uh, spot right in front of where, where we were sitting, and guess how many people were in the chairs right there? Zero. So I, you know, I don't know what the fans at home thought when they were watching that. Uh, if they thought just me and my son were only two sitting there, but um, and 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 the scary thing is, you just had a pay per view, and I mean back in the days, yeah, a house show might not draw much attendance, but a. Pay- a TV show is going to do good, and a pay-per-view is definitely going to be, do good. But mm-hmm. you know, that's what, what, what we're getting at when when fans are finding other stuff. And like I said, you can't—they can't blame it on anything else nope. because all this was happening before I was born. You know, they've they've always been kids' soccer games, kids' football games, movie theaters, and technology. There's been computers since the 80s. Yes, it's getting more in more homes now, and the technology is easier to get control of. But uh, let's see. I've had a cell phone since 2004. You know, I graduated in 2003, and I got a cell phone because I was going to Tennessee 
every week to train in 2004. So, you know, I didn't need my house phone if I was stuck on <laughs> an interstate. I needed a cell phone. So I've had a cell phone since 2004. I know people had it before. I, I'm not a technology guy. I could probably deal without, you know, most of technology. But, you know, it, there's nothing different. It's just the reality of it. People don't want to admit that their product's been subpar. That's mm-hmm. all it boils down to. Exactly. Because you have to challenge yourself because I'm trying not to call names because I'm still holding out hope that I get signed to get a job one day and at times it don't feel that way. But let's use an example. How do you go from being a champion on the pay-per-view to not even being on TV at least once that month? Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's don't make no sense. I can understand if you're out injured, but if you're there and when you are on TV, they got you in a backstage skip, you know, helping break a part of fight. I'm like, hold up, wasn't you one of the longest reigning champions for a while? They don't know how they got short-term thinking. They book a guy say, okay, we want to make this guy a champion. After he loses the champion, that's the right to sell. Do the automatic rematch clause. So even when he loses the belt, you still got two months worth of stuff you should already have thought out because you knew what was going on. But it's these guys, it boils down to you got people in the wrestling business now. It's not wrestling fans. I don't know what they are anymore, but they're not wrestling fans. They're not wrestlers. They don't know how wrestling works. Mm-hmm. They may think they know how the entertainment business works, but they don't know how wrestling works. And it's it's sad because you can't use stuff that works on. Oh Lord, I don't even know. Don't even watch enough TV show to hardly think of. What's a hit show right now, Tony? <laughs> what's, I, I, uh, you, you're asking the wrong guy. I don't watch TV either. Uh, oh Lord. Um, we'll say South Park. Okay. Or, uh, let's say South Park. You can't use all the same things in South Park that you can use for wrestling. Because South Park, a person who get killed, you can't be killing people in wrestling, even though some of these shows is trying that crap now. Mm-hmm. But the moment you do it, you know, uh, they're like, that didn't make sense. How come he didn't get locked up? Right. Exactly. They can't you know, replace a wrestle with another wrestler and say, oh, we had a contract dispute, even though the TV show never says it. It says, this here is Tom Johnson now. Or this is Tony Binge now. They're like, no, that ain't Terrific Tony. Terrific Tony's over here. Mm-hmm. You know, Terrific Tony's, you know, wrestling somewhere else now. No, this is Terrific Tony. No, it's not. I mean, the people, and that's what we got point now people want to compare wrestling to so much other stuff you can't do that it's professional wrestling that's right that's what it says on the banner i mean and don't get me wrong i, I watch lucha underground and press star and there's some aspects i'm like okay this is entertaining but like 
it wasn't pro wrestling. Like they had a wrestling ring, but the moment you had creatures from a thousand years ago come to fight, the, why do you think it didn't last so long? Because they, I mean, yeah, they, they what what more stunts can you do? Mm-hmm. I mean, and uh, well. I'm already went there, so I'm gonna go ahead and say it. Look at the Bray Wyatt. I like Bray Wyatt when he was Husky Harris. I know there's a lot of fans who don't have a clue who Husky Harris is because they're dedicated wrestling fans. But I like the Army Tank with the Ferrari engine in it. You know that that said that would define him enough. But okay, Bray Wyatt went through how many reincarnations now, and now he's the Fiend. Okay, if you can make people disappear and do all these magical powers, why didn't you disappear anytime somebody tried to pin you? That's right. Matt Hardy, if he can teleport, how come he didn't teleport when Sammy Guevara threw that chair the other day? Mm-hmm. And busted him up. That's questions I have if I was just a fan. But now when you when reality comes in, okay, Sammy threw that chair and it didn't go as quite as planned. Matt Hardy got seriously busted open. Okay, now if we would get rid of some of this entertainment aspect that you use on other T V shows and say, Yeah, Matt Hardy's, you know, having an identity crisis and thinks he's a time traveler or thinks he has these powers. Don't never show him teleporting, but say Matt Hardy thinks this. You know, same way you've seen Kevin Sullivan doing the devil worship again, but you've never seen him do no voodoo. you never seen him sacrifice anybody. You give that illusion, but you don't go as far as what they have done with what I've seen on TV. Don't be killing people. Don't be making people disappear. Don't be teleporting. You just paint that illusion. Don't go all the way with it. Because once you go all the way with it, then you got some explaining to do. Mm-hmm. If they'd have said that there, all Sammy Guevara could have said, oh, man, you're supposed to be a time traveler. You should have seen the future. I was going to bust your face up. I was going to make the legend bleed or whatever. But now, you know, I've introduced you to the real Matt Hardy. The Matt Hardy is beyond his prime. Boom. You just made Sammy Guevara seem ruthless, and you just explained you can make money off the church shop. But I'm here, and most other people are like, uh, teleport, Matt. Teleport you your know, way out of there, or, right? Exactly. Or make this show, you know, it just, but like I said, I'm not disrespecting Matt Hardy, not disrespecting. Bray Wyatt, I think they're all phenomenal, but if you got to know when to cut this off. Yeah, the Fiend character could work if he'd have done it as a mental aspect, but the moment you go to doing tricks on TV and magic tricks, and people are going to applaud this, but I don't know if you remember Spellbinder as Vantismo or Vantaz, whatever it was, when it was in WWE for a little while. But they called that hokey. But yet you've seen him do his tricks live where he pulled the wrestler's underwear out and done other little silly, you know, 
schoolyard magic tricks, but he done that in front of the people. He didn't have smoke and mirrors. Mm-hmm. He didn't need a big production crew, but that was hokey. But the moment, you know, we had to turn out the lights use a bunch of editing. That's not hokey anymore. That's, it's entertainment. It's supposed to be funny. It's supposed to be ha-ha. But what about when Bray Wyatt got injured or anytime Matt Hardy has been injured or I'm been injured or you've been anytime any wrestler's been injured, it ain't funny anymore. But now they think, oh, it's all fake. It's all this. We're supposed to be entertained. I wasn't entertained, Tony, when I had to sleep in my car and rest stop. I wasn't entertained when I've missed funerals, weddings, family reunions, lost relationships. It sure wasn't funny to me. It wasn't faking. It wasn't entertaining. But yet now critics and fans don't even respect us, and they don't have a clue of half the stuff we sacrifice because people says it's supposed to be entertaining. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot, a lot they of people. Forget they forget there's a huge aspect of this that is very, very real, and it hurts. And it has a psychological and emotional and physical toll on us. Yeah. But because we've allowed so much entertainment aspect, they don't even see that and they don't even believe it anymore. That's right. And and that's, and that goes back to what a lot of people um, don't, don't get. They all, like you say, they, they uh, see the fun and games of it, but they don't see the behind the scenes where we, um, we go, we get booked on these shows and um you know we we miss our kids birthday or we or we miss christmas or we miss um you know uh, a lot of stuff and that's one of the things that um that i have uh kind of gotten uh, over uh during this pandemic is like now i'm not choosing between my kids and uh, a wrestling show i'm just you know i'm all about my my children and um and and the the good thing about this pandemic is I think I've gotten to have a better relationship with my family in general, um, just because that I'm not gone all the time. I'm not gone every weekend to to go do a show or, you know, uh, I'm booked on a show and I'm told, oh yeah, you're in the first match and I get there. Well, we changed it now. We got you semi main, so now I'm sitting up there, you know, an extra three hours when I really just want to get back in my car and drive back home. But um. But you know that's one thing about me. I can always say if 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 I tell a promoter I'm going to be there, I've always tried my best to be there. You know if if something crazy happened, I didn't make it. But in the twenty some years I've been uh, wrestling, I think I may have canceled maybe four maybe four shows tops, and it's because of um, you know a shoot job that I had that I didn't get off in time or you know something like that. But you know. Um, it's just a different world. And, uh, uh, one, one thing I want to touch on, um, you know, speaking of wrestling, um, one of the things that, that, that bothers me when I go to shows is seeing guys not in real gear. And that, that's, that's a big, uh, a big pet peeve of mine. Exactly. And I, I completely agree. And it's, and at the same time, it's like with my trainings, I told him because he knew I was very old school mentality about it. And I told him one of the things I said, go get you some ratty tore up jeans and boots. And I called it a Waylon Jennings type shirt from the seventies and early eighties because he can sing and he can play the guitar. He's a musician too. Okay. 
and he called himself a fallen artist. I was like, listen, if you're a fallen artist, you're not wearing spandex. You know, it's just that simple. What kind of former singer is wearing spandex trunks? I said, I don't want guys going off completely ripping off WWE guys. I said, but look at Elias. I said, he's a singer. He's a drifter. He looks like somebody that's singing in a bar. I said, if you're a fallen artist, I don't want you wearing the nicest clothes and the current trends. I said, but look like somebody that was is a singer that was on top that's hit hard times. So I described to a T what to get. And now his character is more believable. You know, when he was wearing wrestling gear, you know, he was doing a different gimmick. But it didn't scream fallen artist to me. It didn't scream fallen artist to nobody. And that's what I tell guys. It's like, yes, get professionally made gear unless you got a gimmick because, but otherwise, but, I'm not trying to bring it up hardy, but because they're so worth them at their time because their gimmick was they were the modern day Freebirds. They Freebirds was cool. That's the reason they had Michael Hayes. They were the cool kids on the block of that generation. Now, okay, when guys try to dress up like a hardy boy, like what's your gimmick? And they can't explain I said, so you're just Hardy Boys fans. Same thing, right? Everybody was dressing up like Raven for a while. I was like, that was Raven's gimmick. I was like, he's a depressed guy that, you know, hates the world. He's like the grunge guy. What's your thing? Just because you're a Raven fan? I mean, you. Undertaker, for heaven's sakes, was. You know, Undertaker from the old Midwest days. Mm-hmm. He had on a year. I mean, there's some gimmicks you can alter it where you wear the spandex dressing gear. And there's some that, you know, IRS, everyone all shots, and Mike Rotunda. He, he was perfect as an IRS agent in his gear. There's some exceptions, but most of the times, proper gear. It will work with the gimmick you're doing. Now, there is some exceptions, not many. I mean, heck, I call myself a Pembroke Pit Bull. I mean, I'm not walking around with dog teeth and a spiked collar and scratching and all, you know. But it's guys. I really what it boils down to is not. They're not spending the money to go get properly trained. You know, nowadays anybody can train. I've I seen the school not too long ago. The guy didn't have no experience at all, but he's in wrestling training now. And hadn't even been wrestling 10 years, but he's in wrestling training. And then I've seen another guy, he's only wrestled for one group, and he's a wrestling trainer. So it's. Yeah, that's that's crazy, but that's 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 a problem though with a lot of uh, a lot of guys. Like you say, they're they're um, they're not properly trained, or they've uh, they've got a ring somewhere and they've got they found some guy to do training. But 
where 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 is this guy being? Has, has this guy been in the ring with people that 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 we know? Nope. More than likely not. Um, and and they're not going to go anywhere. Uh, but on a positive note, uh, I know I see your post on Facebook. I see you get a lot of compliments on those uh, really cool Anderson boots I sold you. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's uh, that's a good thing because that lets me know some people appreciate history, you know. Right. And well, like I know there's been people like, well, what's the big deal with them boots? I mean, and that's what's so sad. I mean. If you want to, it's like nearby any job of any importance, you've got to know the history and the way things work. But not in wrestling nowadays. I mean, you just buy a pair of boots and or kick pads, and you just say you're a wrestler now. Yep. I mean, what was so sad, I was with a wrestler a couple of years ago. He was at a convention, and I was getting ready to wrestle. And uh, a vendor had a picture of Bruno San Martino. And this guy didn't even know who Bruno San Martino was. I can understand if you don't know who Antonio Rocco or Joe Savoldi or somebody else is or, you know, I get that. But there's some guys and some iconic pictures you should know. You know, I, I can always get if you didn't know who Johnny Weaver was or Rick Polk or Sweet Hanson. Mm-hmm. But you don't you don't remember who Bruno San Martino is or you don't know who Lucas is. You know, there's some guys you should know. That's like a young kid now not knowing who Hulk Hogan is. You're like, you want to be wrestling, you don't know who Hulk Hogan is? It's... If we forget history, we're doomed to repeat it. And what they don't realize is wrestling almost lost television. And, you know, there was a time WWE was running in high school gyms. I run in high school gyms. And I'm running in buildings equivalent to the size. WWE man at one time, and that's what um, what's so scary. And people don't realize, okay, if WWE a lot of times WWE's doing well, the independents are doing well. If WWE's are struggling, a lot of times the independents are going to be struggling because WWE's going to draw numbers based on the name value alone. It ain't necessarily. You know, got to have all the certain guys every week. But who who can I book or who can you book that I ever compare with WWE? I mean, if me or you was able to gather up money to bring John Cena, yeah, we'd get a good crowd. But WWE can come to that same time without John Cena and draw double the people. That's right. And, and that's what I'm getting at. People don't need to be wishing their downfall on any wrestling company. I want them all to do great because if they're doing great. Your company will do great. My company will do great. All of us will do great because that means 
fans of loving wrestling, but when we're having to make excuses, oh, it's doing this because this here is going on, this here is going on. Okay. But then sound to me like we're not doing that great. That's like preemptive shows. I mean, there was a time nobody would dare tell WWE or any wrestling program, hey, we're not going to air y'all tonight. We're just going to move y'all to another night. That cool with y'all? Because at one point, they was the highest rated show, and they tell other people, oh, well, we can put y'all on after wrestling or before wrestling, but on wrestling, that's not this time, so I call that a highest rated show. Now, that's not the case. I mean, and I'm not picking on the major companies. It's a... There's a problem right now, and all all wrestling's got to fix it. You know, we got to learn how to create more captivating moments and we bring interest back to things because we got to quit allowing stuff to be so predictable and people to give out information to ruin the element of surprise. Yes. There's a time the talent was smarter than the fans, and the moment we allowed the fans to appear to be smarter than the talent and the people putting the show together, lots of purpose are coming to the show. Yeah, that that that's a definitely a lost art, and it's no longer. <laughs> it's definitely not not like it used to be. That's for sure. I think we could get back to that way toward the dream, but not fully because of who. I mean, too much has came out since then. But like I said, at the same time, there is some recovery, not full recovery, but there is room for some recovery. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely a uh. Uh, the business has definitely changed thanks to uh, Corona and <laughs> everything else. But hopefully, man, we get past this Corona and uh, you get to running again. When I have my farewell tour, which will probably be coming up here soon, if not before the coronavirus is up, I like to come down and, and work one show or a couple shows for you because I know uh, I talked to my good friend Danny Vegas and he was telling me before the coronavirus hit that – uh. That you had some good stuff going on down there in Pembroke, and I needed to come down and check it out. So, hopefully, we can get that. Hopefully, I can do that before I finally hang up the boots. Because you know me, I won't hang them up. I have to sell them. <laughs> I have to sell them before, uh, so I can make sure I stay retired. Because if I still got a pair of boots, I'm still going to take a booking. You know. Hey, that's it. I'm. I have plenty of friends ask me all the time. I'm like, well, I'm not trying to book twelve matches a show. <laughs> That's right. I mean, some guy I love wrestling more than most people, but I also know when I'm running shows and it's this closest to home, and I'm still getting home at a midnight and one. I'm like, nah, that ain't good. I mm, like, nope. I like, we ain't having. I tell people quit six matches, seven at the very top. Mm-hmm. Not at this Corona. This has happened. And some wrestlers are going to act as stupid, making mistakes. I'm kind of glad because 
now I'm not bringing some of them back. And I, I can cut it down to five, six tops. That's right. A lot of people don't realize you watch wrestling on a Monday night, which is three hours long. How many matches do you have? Six. You know, a lot, <laughs> a lot of that's a bunch of backstage segments. Mm-hmm. So here I am giving you six and seven matches, and uh, I'm giving you a lot of wrestling, believe it or not. And people cannot notice that. That's right. That's, that's how it is. It's just, uh, you know, six ma- I agree with you. Six matches is, is, is about all the independent uh, show needs because uh, I've been on some shows where I thought I was at Starcade 85 with 12 or 14 matches. I'm like, dang, well, I thought I was match number two. I ended up being match number, tw- number 10 and uh, still had two matches left uh, waiting to get my payoff. So, I agree with you. Six matches is definitely, uh, definitely the most that, in, that any any show needs. Like I said, I'm not trying to oversaturate things because a lot of people don't realize you had too many matches. People get burnt out, and who knows? They might have been at one or two matches fans really want to see, and if they don't get to see it. What's the point of coming? I'm not standing here on night. I mean, yes, us wrestlers love it, but wrestlers have got to remove the fans to get tired, too. That's right. That's that, that, that is exactly right. People, you know, you start by, by when you have that, that many matches, by the time you get to your main event, people aren't going to care about your main event because they're just ready to get out of there. Yes, and... Last thing you want to main event, it will work hard towards the high long and it not have any reaction and the fans tired and just not into it. Yep, exactly right. Well, Baron, I really appreciate you coming on the show and uh, us getting ready to uh, being able to walk down memory lane, talk about how we first met, and talk about the things that um, that we that we hope to to fix one day, and that's including being able to run shows again and get out there and be able to perform in front of the fans and have a, a have a little bit of normalcy again. I appreciate you having me. Maybe we can have another part one day on stuff we did miss. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Have a part two. And uh, and uh, you're always welcome to come back on my show anytime you want. And I always got an open open seat for you. And uh, uh, and I'm, I'm looking forward to, like I say, when this – coronavirus is over hopefully work work a few shows with you and uh just uh create more memories together sounds great to me we just we got uh it'll probably be over before we find that vaccine i, I feel some things will take place in november that you know help clear things up yeah i'm, I'm with you on that i think uh, my, my my wife said the same thing a couple of days ago she said yeah as soon as the uh, elections come in November, the, the masks will come off. I said, yeah, I think you're right. It's definitely a crazy time for us. Yeah. All right, fans. Well, thank you for joining us for another edition of the Binge Buster Show. Make sure you tune in next week and uh, go like us on Facebook and also go follow Mr. Baron Bullard on Facebook. I'm sure he's 
Uh, if you go follow him, you'll find out more about where he's going to be and also his wrestling organization, Wrestling With A Purpose. Uh, it's a great organization. Uh, go check him out on Facebook. Um, is is uh, that is Facebook the only place that the fans can find can find you? Uh, well, I got a YouTube channel, but every now and again I put up like little motivational stuff, and I have an Instagram. All of it's barren, but I'm, I keep it very simple. You know, ain't nobody trying to be me. So <laughs> you type in my name, you'll find me. Sounds good. Well, Baron, thanks again for joining us. Fans, make sure you tune in next week, and we'll see you then on the Binge Buster Show. Sure to share the podcast on your favorite social media channels. Thank you for listening to the Binge Buster Show. Make sure you like us on Facebook and download us on your favorite podcast platform.